Book Six, Canto Ten, The Legend of Calidore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book Six, The Legend of Calidore. Canto Ten. Calidore sees the Graces dance. To Colin's melody, the whiles his pastoral is led into captivity. Who now does follow the foul, blatant beast, whilst Calidore does follow that fair maid, unmindful of his vow and high behest, which by the fairy queen was on him laid, that he should never leave nor be delayed from chasing him till he it had achieved? But now, entrapped of love, which him betrayed, he mindeth more. How he may be relieved with grace from her, whose love his heart hath sore and grieved, that from henceforth he means no more to sow his former quest, so full of toil and pain, another quest, another game in view he hath, the guerdon of his love to gain, with whom he minds for ever to remain, and set his rest among the rustic sort, rather than hunt still after shadows vain of courtly favour, fed with light report of every blast. And sailing always on the port, Nursertes mote he greatly blamed be, from so high step to stoop unto so low, for who had tasted once as oft did he the happy peace which there doth overflow, and proved the perfect pleasures which do grow amongst poor hinds in hills, in woods, in dales, would never more delight in painted show of such false bliss, as there is set for stales. To entrap unwary fools in their eternal bales. For what hath all that goodly glorious gaze, like to one sight which Calidore did view, the glance whereof their dimmed eyes would daze, that never more they should endure the shew of that sunshine that makes them look askew, nor aught in all that world of beauties rare, save only Gloriana's heavenly hue, to which what can compare, can it compare? The which as cometh now, by course I will declare. One day, as he did range the fields abroad, whilst his fair pastorella was elsewhere, he chanced to come far from all people's trod unto a place whose pleasance did appear to pass all others on the earth which were. For all that ever was by nature's skill devised to work delight was gathered there, and there by her were poured forth at fill. As if this to adorn, she all the rest did pill. It was an hill placed in an open plain, that round about was bordered with a wood of matchless height, that seems the earth to disdain, in which all trees of honour stately stood, and did all winter as in summer bud, spreading pavilions for the birds to bower, which in their lower branches sung aloud, and in their tops the soaring hawk did tower, sitting like king of fowls in majesty and power. And at the foot thereof, a gentle flood, his silver waves did softly tumble down, unmarred with ragged moss or filthy mud, nor mote wild beasts, nor mote the ruder clown thereto approach, nor filth mote therein drown, but nymphs and fairies by the banks did sit in the woods shade, which did the waters crown, keeping all noisome things away from it, and to the waters fall turning their accents fit. And on the top thereof a spacious plain did spread itself to serve to all delight, either to dance, when they to dance would fain, nor else to course about their bases light, 
nor aught there wanted which for pleasure might desired be, or thence to banish bale, so pleasantly the hill with equal height did seem to overlook the lowly vale, therefore it rightly clipped was Mount Acidale. They say that Venus, when she did dispose herself to pleasance, used to resort unto this place, and therein to repose and rest herself, as in a gladsome port, or with the graces there to play and sport, that even her own Citheron, though in it she used most to keep her royal court, and in her sovereign majesty to sit, she in regard hereof refused and thought unfit. Unto this place, when as the elfin knight approached, him seemed that the merry sound of a shrill pipe he playing heard on height, and many feet fast thumping the hollow ground, that through the woods their echo did rebound. He nigher drew to wheat what mote it be, there he a troop of ladies dancing found full merrily, and making gladful glee, and in the midst a shepherd piping he did see. He durst not enter into the open green, for dread of them unawares to be descried, for breaking of their dance, if he were seen. But in the covert of the wood did bide, beholding all, yet of them unespied. There he did see, that pleased much his sight, that even he himself his eyes envied, an hundred naked maidens, lily-white, all ranged in a ring, and dancing in delight. All they without were ranged in a ring, and danced round, but in the midst of them three other ladies did both dance and sing, the whilst the rest them round about did hem, and like a girland did in compass stem, and in the midst of those same three was placed another damsel, as a precious gem amidst a ring most richly well enchased, that with her goodly presence all the rest much graced. Look how the crown which Ariadne wore upon her ivory forehead that same day that Theseus her unto his bridal bore, when the bold centaurs made that bloody fray with the fierce lapithes, which did them dismay, being now placed in the firmament. Through the bright heaven doth her beams display, and is unto the stars an ornament, which round about her move in order excellent. Such was the beauty of this goodly band, whose sundry parts were here too long to tell, but she that in the midst of them did stand, seemed all the rest in beauty to excel, crowned with a rosy girland, that right well did her beseem, and ever, as the crew about her danced, sweet flowers that far did smell, and fragrant odours they upon her threw, but most of all, those three did her with gifts endue. These were the graces, daughters of delight, handmaids of Venus, which are wont to haunt upon this hill, and dance there day and night. Those three to men all gifts of grace do grant, and all that Venus in herself doth vaunt is borrowed of them. But that fair one that in the midst was placed paravant, was she to whom that shepherd piped alone, that made him pipe so merrily as never none. She was to weet that jolly shepherd's lass, which piped there unto that merry rout, that jolly shepherd, which there piped was, poor Colin Clout, who knowest not Colin Clout? He piped apace, whilst they him danced about. Pipe, jolly shepherd, pipe thou now apace unto thy love, that made thee low to lout. Thy love is present, there with thee in place. Thy love is there advanced to be another grace. Much wondered Calidore at this strange sight, whose like before his eyes had never seen, and standing long astonished in sprite, and wrapped with pleasance, wist not what to ween, whether it were the train of beauty's queen, or nymphs, or fairies, or enchanted show, with which his eyes mote have deluded been, 
Therefore resolving what it was to know, Out of the wood he rose, and toward them did go. But soon as he appeared to their view, They vanished all away out of his sight, And clean were gone, which way he never knew, All save the shepherd, who for fell despite of that displeasure, Broke his bagpipe quite, and made great moan for that unhappy turn. But Calidore, though no less sorry wight for that mishap, Yet seeing him to mourn, drew near, that he the truth of all by him mote learn. And first him greeting, thus unto him spake, Hail, jolly shepherd, which thy joyous days here leadest in thy goodly merry make, Frequented of these gentle nymphs always, which to thee flock, to hear thy lovely lays. Tell me, what mote these dainty damsels be, which here with thee do make their pleasant plays? Right happy thou, that mayst them freely see, but why, when I them saw, fled they away from me? Not I so happy, answered then that swain, as thou unhappy, which them thence did chase, whom by no means thou canst recall again, for being gone, none can them bring in place, but whom they of themselves list so to grace. Right sorry I, said then Sir Calidore, that my ill-fortune did them hence displace, but since things passed none may now restore, tell me, what were they all, whose lack thee grieves so sore? Though gan that shepherd thus for to delate, then wot thou, shepherd, whatsoe'er thou be, that all those ladies, which thou sawest late, are Venus damsels, all within her fee, but differing in honour and degree. They all are graces, which on her depend, besides a thousand more, which ready be her to adorn, when she so forth doth wend. But those three in the midst do chief on her attend. They are the daughters of sky-ruling Jove, by him begot of fair Eurynome, the ocean's daughter, in this pleasant grove, as he this way, coming from feastful glee, of Thetis' wedding with Iacidae, in summer's shade himself here rested weary, the first of them hight mild Euphrosyne, next fair Aglaia, last Thalia merry, sweet goddesses all three, which me in mirth do cherry. These three on men all gracious gifts bestow, which deck to body or adorn the mind, to make them lovely or well-favoured show, as comely carriage, entertainment kind, sweet semblant, friendly offices that bind, and all the compliments of courtesy. They teach us how to each degree in kind we should ourselves demean to low, to high, to friends, to foes, which skill men call civility. Therefore they always smoothly seem to smile, that we likewise should mild and gentle be, and also naked are, that without guile or false dissemblance all them plain may see. Simple and true from covert malice free, And eke themselves so in their dance they bore, That two of them still forward seemed to be, But one still towards showed herself afore, That good should from us go, then come in greater store. Such were those goddesses which ye did see, But that fourth maid which there amidst them traced, Who can a read what creature mote she be? whether a creature or a goddess graced with heavenly gifts from heaven first and raced. But what so sure she was, she worthy was, for be the fourth with those three other placed. Yet was she certes but a country lass, yet she all other country lasses far did pass. So far as doth the daughter of the day, all other lesser lights in light excel, so far doth she in beautiful array above all other lasses bear the bell. 
nor less in virtue that beseems her well, doth she exceed the rest of all her race, for which the graces that here want to dwell have for more honour brought her to this place, and graced her so much to be another grace. Another grace she well deserves to be, in whom so many graces gathered are, excelling much the mean of her degree, divine resemblance, beauty sovereign rare, firm chastity, that spite nor blemish dare, all which she with such courtesy doth grace, that all her peers cannot with her compare, but quite are dimmed, when she is in place, she made me often pipe, and now to pipe apace. Son of the world, great glory of the sky, that all the earth does lighten with thy rays, great gloriana, greatest majesty, pardon thy shepherd, mongst so many lays, as he hath sung of thee in all his days, to make one minimi of thy poor handmaid, and underneath thy feet to place her praise, that when thy glory shall be far displayed, to future age of her this mention may be made. When thus that shepherd ended had his speech, said Calidore, Now sure it irketh me, that to thy bliss I made this luckless breach, and now the author of thy bale to be, thus to bereave thy love's dear sight from thee. But gentle shepherd, pardon thou my shame, who rashly sought that which I mote not see. Thus did the courteous knight excuse his blame, and to recomfort him, all comely means did frame. In such discourses they together spent, long time as fit occasion forth them led, with which the knight himself did much content, and with delight his greedy fancy fed. But of his words, which he with reason read, and also of the place, whose pleasures rare, with such regard his senses ravished, that thence he had no will away to fare, but wished that with that shepherd he mote dwelling share. But that envenomed sting, the which of yore his poisonous point deep fixed in his heart had left, now gan afresh to rankle sore, and to renew the rigour of his smart, which to recure no skill of leech's art mote him avail, but to return again to his wounds worker, that with lovely dart, dinting his breast, he had bred his restless pain, like as the wounded whale to shore flies from the main. So taking leave of that same gentle swain, he back returned to his rustic one, where his fair pastorella did remain, to whom in sort, as he at first begun, he daily did apply himself to done, all dueful service void of thoughts impure, nor any pains nor peril did he shun, by which he might her to his love allure, and liking in her yet untamed heart procure. And evermore the shepherd Corridon, whatever thing he did to her a great, did strive to match with strong contention, and all his pains did closely emulate. Whether it were to cowl, as they sate, keeping their sheep, or games to exercise, or to present her with their labours late, through which, if any grace chanced to arise, to him the shepherd straight with jealousy did fize. One day, as they all three together went to the green wood to gather strawberries, there chanced to them a dangerous accident. A tiger forth out of the wood did rise, that with fell claws full of fierce gourmandise and greedy mouth, wide gaping like hell-gate, did run at Pastorel, her to surprise, whom she beholding, now all desolate, gan cry to them aloud, to help ere all too late. Which Corridon, first hearing, ran in haste to rescue her. But when he saw the fiend, though coward fear he fled away as fast, nor durst abide the danger of the end, his life he steemed dearer than his friend. 
But Calidore, soon coming to her aid, When he the beast saw ready now to rend His love's dear spoil, in which his heart was prayed, He ran at him enraged, instead of being prayed. He had no weapon but his shepherd's hook, To serve the vengeance of his wrathful will, With which so sternly he the monster strook, That to the ground astonished he fell, Whence ere he could recovered, he did him quell, And hewing off his head, he it presented Before the feet of the fair pastorel, Who scarcely yet from former fear exempted, A thousand times him thanked, that had her death prevented. From that day forth she gan to him to affect, And daily more her favour to augment. But Coridon for cowardice reject, Fit to keep sheep, unfit for love's content. The gentle heart scorns base disparagement. Yet Calidore did not despise him quite, But used him friendly for further intent, That by his fellowship he colour might Both his estate and love from skill of any wight. So well he wooed her, and so well he wrought her With humble service and with daily suit, That at the last unto his will he brought her, Which he so wisely well did prosecute, That of his love he reaped the timely fruit, and joyed long in close felicity, Till fortune, fraught with malice, blind and brute, That envies lovers long prosperity, Blew up a bitter storm of foul adversity. It fortuned one day, when Calidore was hunting in the woods, As was his trade, a lawless people, brigants height of yore, That never used to live by plough nor spade, But fed on spoil and booty, which they made upon their neighbours, Which did nigh them border, the dwelling of these shepherds did invade, And spoiled their houses, and themselves did murder, And drove away their flocks, with other much disorder. Among the rest, the which they then did pray, They spoiled old Melaby of all he had, And all his people captive led away, Mongst which this luckless maid away was led, Fair Pastorella, sorrowful and sad, Most sorrowful, most sad, that ever sight. Now made the spoil of thieves and brigands bad, which was the conquest of the gentlest knight that ever lived, and the only glory of his might. With them also was taken Coridon, and carried captive by those thieves away, who in the covert of the night, that none mote them descry, nor rescue from their prey, unto their dwelling did them close convey. Their dwelling in a little island was, covered with shrubby woods, in which no way appeared for people in nor out to pass, nor any footing find for overgrown grass. For underneath the ground their way was made, Through hollow caves that no man mote discover For the thick shrubs which did them always shade From view of living white, and covered over. But darkness dread and daily night did hover Through all the inner parts wherein they dwelt, Nor lightened was with window, nor with louver, But with continual candlelight, Which dealt a doubtful sense of things, Not so well seen as felt. Hither those brigands brought their present prey, and kept them with continual watch and ward, meaning so soon as they convenient may for slaves to sell them, for no small reward, to merchants which them kept in bondage hard or sold again. Now when fair Pastorel into this place was brought, and kept with guard of grisly thieves, she thought herself in hell, where with such damned fiends she should in darkness dwell. But for to tell the doleful dreariment and pitiful complaints which there she made, where day and night she nought did but lament her wretched life, Shut up in deadly shade, and waste her goodly beauty, Which did fade like to a flower that feels no heat of sun, Which may her feeble leaves with comfort glade. 
But what befell her in that thievish one will in another canto better be begun. End of Cantos 10 Book 6 The Legend of Calidore